up, everybody? Welcome to Truth Serum, a podcast of Crossover Bible Fellowship. In today's episode, we will unpack Running While Black, a conversation about justice and forgiveness. One of the most pressing issues which are prevalent in the news is the death of Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, he was a young black man who was 25 years old, going out for a jog, and he was shot by uh, two Caucasian men who claimed they were trying to stop suspicious activity in their neighborhood while looking to make a citizen's arrest. Um, with yet another wrongful shooting under the backdrop of racism, how does God, justice, and forgiveness fit in a situation like this, and how should we feel? That's today's premise, and that's today's episode that we're going to get into today. And that being said, I know it's a sensitive topic, but regardless, we'll go around, just catch up, just see how everybody's doing. We do that every episode. So, Brittany, firstly, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, it's been a very busy week. We've got some new things going on at work, uh, starting a new session of classes. So I've been on the phone uh, recruiting and getting new students enrolled. I teach ESL to refugees. Um, so starting an online um like beginning the session online that's a first so we've had some unique challenges um but so far it's been a good week i've made lots of progress on my puzzle since the last time i was here <laughs> Brittany does puzzles y'all <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh yeah next up uh joaquin how are you i'm doing good doing good thank you for asking uh today uh we went out for a Nice drive with the fam, we look at some houses and, you know, just had a really good time today, man. So um, I've been doing pretty well. So thanks for asking, man. Ready to talk about this topic. Cool. Aaron, what's up? Um, man, I'm doing pretty good. Um, this week has been uh, a lot. It was my birthday this week. Uh, hey. hey. You know, one year older, as someone would say. But uh, honestly, it's been a really good week. Um, today I got to help out my grandmother and actually see her. It's been like three months since I've seen her. So it was really good to kind of help her out and to see her and make sure she's doing well. So been doing pretty good. All right. And last up is me, Nathan. Uh, this is also my birthday week. So, you know, so this is Aaron's birthday. Week. This is Nathan's birthday. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and so mine's a little higher, but, uh, yeah, my birthday had a pretty much just a restful birthday. Uh, you know, didn't want to go around doing too much, but uh, still got to enjoy some cake, and that was cool, and I liked that and appreciated that. So, yeah, cool. Glad you're doing all right. Okay, so as I mentioned, we're talking about a sensitive topic, and I don't necessarily want to get into details surrounding the case, but I'll go ahead and state uh, what I've learned thus far because certain things have changed. So that being said... Um, supposedly since the time of what happened of what I described earlier, you know, young black man going out for a run gets approached by two Caucasian guys. Uh, they try to question him or do a citizen's arrest. Uh, things get bad and the young man is shot and killed. Now, the whole reason why this case is sensitive and uh, very confusing, even at times is, you know, it's, Hey, were these people really trying to defend themselves or was there something else going on? And, you know, normally people take others words for it. Hey, self-defense. And it happened in a state where you can actually stand your ground and you actually can use lethal force to protect yourself if you feel your life is threatened. Right. 
So that being said, it looks like another case that's very similar to Trayvon Martin, where somebody was out and said, this guy looks suspicious. They approached the guy. They were like, oh, I had to defend myself, shot and killed him. So it looks very similar. And it seems like the public don't want the same thing to happen. But here's some details that came out since that happened with the case. Uh, there was a video of Ahmad supposedly trespassing on a newly constructed house. He went to a newly constructed house, looked around, and then left. There also is video of a neighbor looking at Ahmad go into the constructed house, and then they call the police. And then, but Ahmad just leaves and goes off. So uh, there's that. Um, the owner of the videotape or the security tape who owned the home that was being constructed that saw Ahmad go into there minutes before he was shot, he says he doesn't know who the shooters are. I think he said he met one of them one time, but he doesn't know them personally. Also, he said nothing was stolen from the house. So he's like, yeah, I know the home is being built, but nothing was taken. So it's not really a crime to like look at something and then like leave. So granted. Uh, another thing is the shooting took place February 23rd, but there were no arrests made until May 7th. So, you know, a month and a half went by and yeah, then there was arrest. Also, the original police statement seems to have some inconsistencies. You know, so people are like, what's going on with that? And uh, I'll say this as well. There was a mysterious card left on the grave of Ahmad, it said something to the effect of, I'm so sorry, I should have stopped them. I'm so sorry, I should have stopped them. Don't know who wrote it. Don't know where it came from. Don't know if it's related to the case. The police took it as evidence. We don't know. They asked the person to come forward, even if it was anonymous. To make matters worse, um, also in uh, the last week, a black delivery driver was driving his delivery van into an Oklahoma neighborhood and he went to make a delivery. He went to make a delivery and as he was trying to leave, some people wouldn't let him leave because they said he looked suspicious and it caused an uproar. The reason I'm bringing that up is kind of, it was kind of along the same lines. This is suspicious. People approach him and then things escalate. So I know that was a lot. But that's where we are. And we don't want to talk about specifically details of the case. What we specifically want to get into is how do justice, forgiveness and God fit into all of these things? Not only that, but I would say there's a problem going on. And the main problem is this. You have people asking you as a person, as an individual, as an American to choose sides. It's almost like the Black Lives Matter movement and those who are similar are saying this is clearly a racist hate crime. It needs to be treated as such. You have people who are political commentators like Candace Owens, who, in a sense, are saying things that kind of already incriminate Ahmad, even though they don't know the details. They're still they're saying things like. An example would be when this all happened. Some of the comments were, these are two God-fearing Christian men trying to protect the neighborhood. Why are the two men God-fearing and not the person who was shot? It's just assumed that they are. Mm -hmm. um, also, the news, I think, are pitting both sides against one another because they just want to incite drama. So there's that. So with all that going on, that's where we are today, and that's where the problem is. The problem is 
everybody has their own confirmation bias, meaning that you have a preset belief or a predetermined belief already, and you're just looking for evidence to prove that you're right. So the people who may be racist are looking for evidence to say the shooting's justified. The people who feel like they're completely innocent, there was no wrongdoing, is like, oh, well, this is racist and this man did nothing. You know, we need to make sure we punish the offenders. And the news is just pouring gasoline on the fire, in my opinion. So that's the problem that we have right now. Right? Let me check chat. Cool. That's the problem that we have right now. But that being said... I think for this conversation going forward, we have to define justice and forgiveness. And to do that, I want to start by defining what bitterness is. I would say, in my opinion, bitterness is an emotional commitment to storing up anger and it will be released in the future. You might not know how it's going to be released, but you're storing up anger day by day by holding on to bitterness. Forgiveness would be letting go of that anger, bitterness, or resentment. And justice would be somebody actually did something against the law, and you want them to pay the full penalty for it. So for the conversation, those are the definition. But in talking about forgiveness, Brittany brought up an interesting point. She talked about what it means to lament. So Brittany, if you want to expound upon that, that's something we talked about in the pre-show, but it was interesting when we were talking about how to define forgiveness, Brittany brought up lamenting. Yeah, I think lamenting is a really important aspect to when things have gone terribly wrong. And we see this uh, in the word as something that's modeled as a regular part of the spiritual life Um from my understanding, many, 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 I want to say most, but I'm not 100% sure. Joaquin can fact check me on that. Many, many, many of the Psalms are lament Psalms. Some of the some of the Psalms are Psalms that are calling out injustices and they want God to act. Um, and it is normal and expected that our human emotions get to take up space when something goes terribly wrong, for us to feel sad, for us to grieve. And grieving is not only a part of a major injustice, grieving is a part of our everyday lives when we face loss. And so I think it's important that we give ourselves and give others space to grieve, um, to be brokenhearted. I mean, God has promises to the brokenhearted that he's near them, that he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I think this is something that we need to validate as a community. You say something we need to validate as a community. Uh, how would you think, do you have any thoughts on how that validation would come about? I think part of the way that we validate it is to allow it, to normalize it. Um, to allow people to be upset and to be hurt without trying to fix it, without trying to fix it. So when we get upset, something goes wrong, we really don't want someone to say like, oh, I have a solution. How about give people a little bit of time to process and to grieve things and let them be in that space before there's a solution, before 
things are made right. Um, and so I think we we first validated by embracing it in our own lives um, that we don't always make space to grieve things, that we sometimes try and fix our problems before we really face them. No, that's good. And mm -hmm. specifically as it relates to forgiveness, another thing that... <laughs> Uh, we are you all there's so many conversations that we have that you all don't see but um you know we had a little bit of back and forth as it relates to this episode you know um that being said uh joaquin do you have any thoughts on how you would define forgiveness i know we said something for the beginning of this conversation but do you have any thoughts about uh forgiveness and how you would define it or how it's even understood by you versus the culture um as far as forgiveness is concerned, what I used to, well, let, let me kind of start off with what I used yeah. to think, right? So um, what I used to think, I used to think that forgiveness and um, reconciliation is basically the same thing, you know, like, like or, or they work hand in hand. Uh, you know, I, I used to kind of think that, hey, like, in order for me to truly forgive somebody, um, I can't, you know, if there's no type of lament or no type of, like as Brittany was saying, you know, no type of validation that something went wrong, then how can true forgiveness, so-called true, <laughs> true forgiveness um, actually come about? So, I mean, I think, um, you know, I used to, I used to, I'm saying that for a reason, because I'm going to get into that later on, but um, I used to think forgiveness was me being able to really let go of some of the issues that I've, that I have, if I've been wrong is to literally let go of um, something that has happened to another person or to me. Um, and being able to understand that that other person also understands uh, that that person did wrong. So I, I came up with this example. If Nathan punches me in the face, um, you know, and Nathan does not, except that he was wrong for punching me in the face, then, you know, I used to think that true forgiveness, because I thought forgiveness was, you know, not only forgiveness, but also reconciliation, or not only being made right with a person, but is also reconciling with that person, then I can't, and if Nathan punch, punches me in the face and he doesn't admit or, you know, acknowledge that he was wrong, then I can't really truly forgive that person. Um, or I can't truly be made right or truly forget something that he has done to me. Um, I don't think that anymore, <laughs> but, um, but for a while, I, I've definitely, um, I definitely thought that. So at this particular point right now, what I do think, I do think um, forgiveness is um, being able to just really just let it go. Uh, you know, giving basically giving everything to God, you know, um, of what somebody has done to me. And um, and truly moving on from you know what's how somebody has wronged for, how somebody has wrong wronged me, not move on in the sense of like you know like oh man like you know I'm gonna literally forget that you've done something to me, but move on in a sense to where you know I can accept what has happened uh, based on what uh, based on what you know someone has done to me. No, good. And um, as you were speaking, I honestly had, had a thought. And Aaron, you can go ahead and chime in. What I was thinking, honestly, is does forgiveness play a direct role in justice? And the reason I'm saying that is, at least for how our laws are established here, a lot of times if somebody does something wrong, 
someone has to press charges. And when they press charges, sometimes the degree of the penalty is based upon pretty much how upset or how strong someone's desire is to see that the justice be executed, right? So I'm curious, uh, does forgiveness play a role in justice overall, not just in our society, but like, should it even overall, even for the believer? But no, I think I think it does. Um, forgiveness does play a role. Um, I think forgiveness does play a role when it comes to justice. And I think it is okay to want to see justice occur and also to lament, as Brittany would say. Uh, but with that, being able to reconcile those two and being then being able to forgive the offense. Um, I wanted to ask Joaquin a question because I know you talked about forgiveness and you talked about reconciliation. You, you kind of gave a definition of forgiveness, but like, what is reconciliation um, with that? Because I know you talked about the kind of differences with that. Yeah, um, reconciliation is really the process of being made right with someone else. So, um, so you know, if kind of going back to the example of Nathan was to punch me in the face, uh, there was a idea there. There's this idea that Nathan would recognize that he would be wrong for punching me in the face. And I forgive him for punching me in the face. And therefore we come together as a collective unit and agree that, you know, what had happened. And therefore we both be, we both are now moving on from that particular incident of what has happened. So Nathan punched me in the face. I forgive him. Nathan admits that he's wrong. We talk about it and boom, we move, we move on together. Um, like nothing, like basically almost like nothing happened. You know, um, I be simply because I've forgiven Nathan for punching me in the face, you know, um, therefore I, I am able now to move on from and we are able to move on together and not as a not as a single person, but as a collective whole, as a collective unit, we're able to move on together. And I think that's where the struggle is with forgiveness sometimes is that I don't see the other person actually admit or even recognize what they've done was wrong. And because of that, it's, it is harder. I know I've struggled with it. It's harder for me to be able to forgive. It's harder mm-hmm. to me f- to forget what they've done and how they've hurt me and they caused me pain. Even this right now, like it's, it's difficult to see someone get killed in a video and not see justice played out and get arrested. The facts they got arrested almost a month or a month and a half later. Like that's tough. And yeah. And- I think that's really tough. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you made me think about something Brittany said earlier about the whole validation piece. Man, you know, things do need to be validated. You know, based on what Brittany was saying earlier. I think the problem is, is that we don't see more. We don't see more validation because a lot of times people don't recognize that there is a victim, right? And so, like you know, if there if there is not a victim. And the reason why I think, you know, it's hard because I struggle with this too, Aaron. Um, uh, The reason why it's so hard is because people don't recognize that they have victimized somebody else. And like like I said, going back to the whole idea of Nathan punching me in the face is Nathan doesn't acknowledge that he punched me in the face. You know what I'm saying? Nathan doesn't realize that you have just made me a victim. You know what I'm saying? Of something that you have done to wrong me. Right. And when nobody and when the person who has wronged someone hasn't doesn't recognize that, 
it is even more and extremely more difficult to be able to forgive that person. Now, I do want to bring up something that I, at least I've observed. So we have the world. When I say the world, I mean people who just straight up don't believe in God for the most part. And the majority of people who don't really believe in God just do what they want. Okay. So a lot of times people hear the word forgiveness and they think forgiveness means letting go, meaning that you're letting go and nothing is going to happen to the person who offended me. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily what we're saying with forgiveness, right? So I think some people are nervous and even upset when forgiveness is shown because they're like, how could you let them go per se? Um, I remember in the Amber Geiger case and uh, basically with Amber Geiger and uh, both of them, John, basically what happened is, you know, police officer lived in an apartment complex, went to the wrong apartment, walked to an apartment that was hers. The door was open. She pulled the trigger and shot once again, a young uh, black man once again. And then it was OK. You have this Caucasian police officer and a black man. Did race play a role? Why did she shoot multiple times? You know, what's going on? You know, and when that case was all over and about to do the sentencing, you know, the victim's brother said, yo, can I hug her? And he actually hugged the police officer. And some people were furious because it's like, with what this person did, how can you just let them go? And that's not necessarily what we're saying when we talk about forgiveness. But the interesting thing about that was people, in a sense, were demanding that almost like the family should be more upset. So this introduces something that I'm curious about and Brittany, you can speak on it is, is forgiveness something that should be demanded? Meaning like, and I'll, I'll say it from both sides. Um, a lot of times when, when this happened, this specifically being the shooting of Ahmad, when this happened, almost like, a day or two later, people were saying it was self-defense. They didn't do it on purpose. It was self-defense. Just it's almost like they were demanding that they be forgiven because it was an accident. So do you think like forgiveness can be demanded? So I do think it gets a little unproductive to demand that someone forgive someone. Um, I'm reminded of when Jesus is discussing forgiveness at one point, and he says, if you don't forgive your brother from the heart. So forgiveness is something that I think starts in the heart. Um, and so I, nobody can actually control somebody else's heart. And to be honest, even as believers with the power of the Holy Spirit, we need the help and the mercy of God to forgive other people. So no, I don't mm -hmm. think that practically, I mean, we can yell at people, but I don't think we can practically and realistically demand for someone to forgive somebody else. Uh, we don't know if they have or they haven't, mm -hmm. um, regardless of what we see. However, God does command for his people to forgive. And it's the expectation that we are to forgive as we've been forgiven. And that if we've been forgiven, we forgive. Um, my mom likes to kind of use this, this phrasing, 
forgiven people forgive people. And so I think the more we understand that we've been forgiven, then we can forgive. And so, hey, mom. And so, <laughs> no, we, we can't really demand it, but it is commanded. And for that commandment, there is the help and grace of God to carry it out. Nah, dope. When you were talking, what came to mind was, uh, and don't go watch this because I'm referencing it, but uh, what came to mind was the best man. There's a scene where a man is about to get married to this girl and he doesn't know. And he just realized throughout the course of the movie, like the girl he's about to marry had a fling with his best man. He, they, he, they never told him. And so it kind of upset him. Like, why do they keep the secret from me? You know? And um, the whole, whole second half of the movie, I'm spoiling the movie. Who cares? It's been out for a long time. 30 years ago. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> the movie old, whatever. Like I'm about to spoil it. So, so the, the whole half second half of the movie, they're upset with each other to the point of like, the man who's about to get married is like, look, I will beat him up if I see him. And he actually did a little bit. So, uh, but the friend shows up at the church and he's like, he's not even religious. So the guy shows up at the church. He's not even religious. And he's like, Lance, pray with me, brother. And he's like, pray. Like, like you don't even believe in God. Don't come up in here talking about, I need to pray. And basically he was like, yo, man, you need to forgive me, man. So you can move on and get married. Forgive me. And the man who's about to get married, Lance says, look, I can forgive you, but I don't have to like it. Mm -hmm. And he very against his will and very upset, like says a prayer and he like barely gets through it. And he still ends up marrying his fiance that day. But no one really knows all that drama happened behind the scenes. But the reason I'm bringing that up is, again, a non-believer was like, oh, you're a Christian. You're supposed to forgive me. And even in the in a case like this, I've seen some of that conversation and that rhetoric go on where it's like, look, this is bad. It's a lot of drama. But hey, man, just, you know, forgive them. And I think it goes back to what Brittany said earlier. You can't necessarily as a believer, I am supposed to forgive. But what Brittany said, I need time to lament. I need time to grieve. I need time to be sad. Like in this shooting case. Two days after the shooting, or really two days after it went public, you're like, man, forgive him. I haven't even been to a funeral yet. Yeah. And I'm bringing that up because that's just the reality of us as humans. Like, forgiveness should happen, especially if you are a child of God. But at the same time, that might not come easy. That might not come mm -hmm. quick. That might not. Now, the opposite is true. I don't think it should take 50 years to forgive somebody. But. You know, it also shouldn't take 50 seconds that might take that. But I don't know. Does anybody think anything about what I just said? Y'all got y'all got something else to say? You can go ahead and say it. Um, man, the, the only thing that I think about, um, because when we talk about the Bible, you know, the Bible is not um, or will, will not be more so on the details of what type of forgiveness I should dish out. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's like, hey, somebody's wronged you, forgive them. You know what I'm saying? So like, for instance, let's bring up the example of Nathan punches me in the face. But I have two daughters. If someone was to rape my daughter, that's on a whole different level. And, I, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm just being real right now. You know what I'm saying? And because 
for me, I'm just thinking like, well, I can forgive easily Nathan punches me, punching me in the face. But for someone to rape my daughter, like that's going to take a lot of time for me to like get like for me to like really forgive someone for doing something so atrocious. You know what I'm saying? Um, so insidious, you know, uh, the same and then the same thing as going back to someone, um, you know, someone killing my killing my daughter for like, let's say, you know, she she had right now my daughter at home has this little gun that she plays. We played this game called Eater Man. She made it up. <laughs> and so and so basically, you know, I'm like the monster. And, you know, she's like jumping on me and stuff like that and all these things. And she has this little play gun that she, you know, she's like, shoo, 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 like that, like, like, you know, because or whatever. But it's, and it's not really, it's not even a gun. It's like a, you know, thing that goes to her document stuff and thing or whatever, like a, like a hairdryer or something like that. But she uses it, you know what I'm saying? Like that. And so, man, um, you know, what if one day she has that in her hand and a police officer makes a mistake similar to what happened with Tamir Rice, you know, who was, you know, a little boy, you know, who was playing, might've been playing and had a toy gun and that police officer takes my daughter's life. For me, that's like, that's really, really difficult to just say, all right, cool. Like, like, all right, I'm a, I'm a believer. And I'm just supposed to just automatically just forgive. You know, I don't necessarily think that, you know, that that is a practical way of really wrestling through my 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 feelings and wrestling through the wrong that, ha- that has been done to me. You know, I think, you know, a lot of times believers, um, uh, believers kind of can be so like up here, you know, like like I was <laughs> uh, believers can be so up here to where they think that forgive like I'm supposed to just automatically, you know, forgive somebody, but kind of forget about the practicality of certain things. And we know that people are different and things don't work out, don't really work out in that in that in that manner. So, what, man, yeah, Joaquin, you said some you said some interesting, which is which is something really to think about. Um, and I mean, I know we'll get to this, but when we talk about God forgiving us or Jesus Christ dying on the cross because of the sins and the wrongdoing that we did, when we really think about that, in a sense, God has forgiven us for our sins. However, there was still a cost and a price to be paid for what we did. It's just that Mm -hmm. we didn't pay it. And because God paid it on our behalf. And we believe in that and we believe in the gospel of the death, burial, resurrection. That's why that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. It is so powerful that God, in a sense, died for a penalty that we were supposed to get. So, mm-hmm. and, it's, and I'm bringing this up to just to say we're forgiven, but there was still a penalty. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll say it like this. We're forgiven, but justice was still executed. Amen. Now, in the case yeah. of our sins... It was all of our sins. But for us as people, us as humans, it's interesting because it's almost like the level of forgiveness we're willing to give out or the level of forgiveness and time it takes to process. We do have varying degrees 
of forgiveness or process forgiveness that we give out based upon honestly how bad somebody hurt us mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we do we do have levels like you know um you know just me personally really quick i remember when i was in college i got accused of cheating and they were trying to kick me out the university like of course i didn't and i didn't get kicked out but the professor who accused me i was mad at the dude for a minute yeah. But you know, if the professor took like my parking space and like I'm like, hey man, that's my parking space. You weren't supposed to park there. Okay, fine, whatever. Like I, I probably would have let that go instantly, even though I felt wronged, right? I felt wronged in both instances, but one has a like a high degree of me being upset. And I know we talked about this in the pre-show. Aaron, um, I remember you shared a story that kind of hits on what I'm talking about, which is like the more we feel wronged, the more of a process it is almost, you know, mm-hmm. so you can feel free to speak to that. But I just find that interesting. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Something that I think I don't know if Andy Minio said this or somebody said this. It's like the the amount that we we know that we've been forgiven by God is the amount that we will forgive others. Uh, yeah. And so when I think about that, like, and I think about even this week, like literally three days ago, someone, I, I got wronged and I was wrestling and I'm like, this podcast is coming up. I mean, I'm, I'm working through this God. And like, it was, it was a process to be able to forgive them. Me going back to the scriptures, me praying, me recognizing I'm a sinner before a holy God and that I need grace and how hard it was for God to even say, hey, like, if it's any way, let this cut pass for me. But, hey, he was like, man, it was a joy set before me that I endured the cross. And so knowing that and, and recognizing that and seeing what they did uh, and going back to scripture and praying and wrestling all night, like, but then coming to the sense of saying, hey, even though they wronged me, even though they have not even recognize what they have done to me, I'm still going to forgive them. Um, and I think that's something that is tough. Um, I don't think that's any, I don't think this is anything that is easy. Um, I think as Brittany said, we need the Holy Spirit to help us and really to, yeah, I would even say help us to forgive and love our neighbor and love our brothers and sisters who wrong us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think sometimes the more we we are hurt and we are pain, we we are you know hurt from the act. I think that sometimes the more the process it is to uh, forgive them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, I was something I was talking to Crystal about the other day. Um, I was thinking about Jesus and and how you know he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." And man, I thought about something that I've never thought about until, you know, really getting ready for this, this uh, podcast today. I thought about Mary, like Jesus's mom. And, you know, here's Jesus. He gets crucified for literally doing nothing wrong. And I thought about all the mothers. I thought about Mary because I thought about all the mothers who've also experienced you know, loss of a son or loss of a you know daughter that hasn't that where they haven't done anything wrong. And but yet the dude who's actually 
being wrong, the dude who's actually the victim is actually the one that's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So, man, um, so as I was kind of like dwelling on that, I just was kind of thinking about, wow, you know, through all of that and through all the wrong that you that, that you're experiencing on the cross, you're like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And, you know, and, 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 and Jesus in that particular moment was experiencing the, like some of the same things that people have experienced that black young black men and black women have experienced throughout, you know, throughout, you know, throughout the, you know, American history, you know? And so uh, just thinking about that, you know, has just been able to help me so much just in the past couple of weeks, thinking about me being able to forgive other people you know, based on, you know, just based on that alone, you know, just based on what Christ has done and kind of going back to what Aaron and Brittany says, like, yo, I can't do that by myself. Like, I don't have the power to do that by myself. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, like I can't love, I can't love that, you know, I can't love my wife with only my own love because my wife is going to do something that's going to upset me. And the same thing, and the same things with, you know, with my friends, you know, with the people on this podcast, it's like, you know, I can't forgive them for something that I, that I dislike without the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, and so it just lets me know that I need him even more, you know, each and every day to get through those hard times when things, when somebody has wronged me in a way where, you know, I don't become bitter or I don't resent someone for doing something that has, you know, because that eventually eats at me and that eventually hurts me. So, I mean, so yeah. No, definitely. Uh, Brittany, thoughts? Because I was going to go to you for a specific reason, but we've talked about quite a few things. So I didn't know if you wanted to touch on anything there. Yeah, so I wanted to, I'm really glad that Joaquin brought this up and glad that Nathan, that you brought it up about how, as Christians, we don't believe that we got off. We know that we were forgiven and that our forgiven had a cost and that that cost was the wrath of God on Jesus, the judgment that we deserved on Jesus, our sins on Jesus. And so it's not that we think like, man, it's crazy. Like, you know, like pass, go collect $200. You know, like we, it, it wasn't free. It was costly. It's free for us, but it costs him, mm. you know? So I think that when we forgive other people, and first of all, I mean, all of us recognize that this is not easy. It's hard to be hurt. It's hard to be betrayed. It's hard to be stabbed in the back. It's hard to be looked down on. It's hard to be used. It's hard to be all of these things that, I mean, we weren't designed for that, you know? God had totally different things in mind for creation than us hurting each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so forgiveness is hard. And I know that when we decide to forgive as a believer, we really are exercising faith. Um, it's not just that we're saying like, okay, fine, I won't be mad, you know? Um, that's really not the point. But when we do decide to forgive, it's really something that is happening between us and God. Um, of course, you know, this us and this other person that's relevant too, but there's something that's happening between us and God. And 
one thing that that is said in Romans 12 really stands out to me for this particular point. Do not avenge yourselves, beloved. This is Romans 12, 19 to 20. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary. So God has a role. We have a role. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. So God has a way for us to deal with when someone, and this sounds like uh, an individual thing, not necessarily a systemic thing. I can't give the United States a drink of water. So this is like an individual thing. But like God says, don't avenge yourself. And we have so many ways that we do this. I know at least for me, withholding, withdrawing, stonewalling, like these are also ways that we are not leaving room for the wrath of God. Like I find myself punishing people in these small ways. I'm not talking to you today. I'm not talking to you in a friendly way. Um, And so that's sinful too. But when I decide to forgive you, when I decide to forgive my friend, my coworker, et cetera, I'm saying, God, I trust you to do what you Mm. said you were going to do. That you're the one who's going to ultimately make things right. That's not my role. And that you tell me on the contrary, instead of Brittany, you being the judge, you executing judgment on this person, you deciding what they deserve. Let me take care of that. Here's what I want you to do. Do the opposite of what you want to do. And I remember in my own process one day, I was very, very hurt. And just asking, it was so funny. It was like I asked the most ridiculous question. Jesus, have you ever felt like, (laughs) have you ever felt like hurt by someone, like betrayed? And then I was like, oh, duh, you know? But like, then I said, what did you do about that? Like, what did you do? And what came to mind was that he said on the cross, Father, forgive them. Just like what he was just saying, they don't even know what they're doing. I'm thinking to myself, hold up. Jesus is not only saying, God, forgive them. Like, don't even hold it against them. They don't know what they're doing. He's giving them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. He knows everything. Are you kidding yeah. me? They yeah. don't know what they're doing. And so I was like, dang God, that's hard, but I'm gonna try it. So the next several times when I felt hurt, I would be like, God, forgive so-and-so. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're doing. And it kind of changed my heart a little bit that like God is helping me to give this person the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to, but God is helping me to give this person the benefit of the doubt. They don't even know what they're doing. God, can you forgive them? And something about that intercession helps me want to forgive them too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I would, I was just, I was just going to say, man, um, I think the reality is when it comes to believers, man, you know, I'm going I'm going to hurt somebody. Like I think that's the reality. <laughs> um, I'm going to hurt somebody. Brittany's going to hurt somebody. Nathan's going to hurt somebody. Aaron's going to hurt somebody. And honestly, yeah, punch me in the face. <laughs> and honestly, man, um, I think this is probably one of the biggest problems, you know, in the Christian faith period, you know, because the Christian faith is really all about, you know, establishing you know, good like community with others that be, other believers. It talks about you know uh, all the one all the so called one another verses that they talk about in the scriptures. Also, 
you know, um, uh, you know, one of the things um, I think about is Colossians 3, you know, where it talks about bearing with one another, you know, um, I think that's going to be talked about later. And, you know, all these different one another verses, but, you know, and then the whole deal of like, another aspect of it is, is that, yo, like, is it God who may allow us to be hurt so that we can exercise forgiveness? You know, um, like, like when you think about, you know, I think about Joseph, you know, and how God allowed his brothers to sell him into slavery, you know? And so like, um, and so here comes Joseph on the back end of that and he forgives his brothers for selling him into slavery, you know? And Joseph says, hey, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so it's like, yo, like, here is Joseph exercising forgiveness on his brothers, the ones, you know, who have actually sold him into slavery. And, you know, I'm trying to think of times where my own brothers, so that means that there are going to be times where my own brothers are going to hurt me. And I'm going to have to be able to exercise forgiveness in a way that I've never had to exercise forgiveness before. So, um, so like I said, Nathan might punch me one day in the future and I'm going to have to be like, yo, I, I, man, I, I, I forgive you. I'm going to have to be able to exercise that on a whole other level because maybe that's God working on the inside of me uh, to be able to help out somebody else later on that's struggling with forgiveness. Yeah, and the thing that I just wanted to call attention to uh, real quick is, yes, you know, forgiveness is definitely something that you as a believer have to exercise. That's how you got into the family. However, I don't want it to be misconstrued or I don't want anybody to get confused and, and hear that we're saying just forgive. There is a difference between, yes, you do need to forgive someone because God has forgiven you. How? It, but there's also other detrimental effects if you don't forgive someone. I'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. But we have to also recognize this, that if there's injustice, and this is getting to the justice piece, if there's injustice, like you have a right to call that out. It doesn't always have to be this thing to where somebody wrongs you and maybe they don't even realize they wronged you, but then you just got to like clear it out your heart and like forgive them. Yeah, that happens sometimes. But other times, like, it is okay to call out wrong. It is okay to call out evil. It is okay to call out injustice. And you're going to have to hear that. Mm -hmm. If you're the perpetrator, you're going to have to hear that. If you're the perpetrator, somebody may be upset. You may get an earful. You're going to have to hear that as the perpetrator. Uh, what comes to mind is David. David takes Bathsheba, who is Uriah's wife at the time. Uriah is a soldier in his army fighting on his behalf, but he's away at war. He sees his wife and says, oh, she look good. But, oh, mm -hmm. but that's Bathsheba. She's married. And David's like, I'm the king. But she married, though. I'm the king. And so they bring Bathsheba, and, you know, David lies with her. Um, but that being said... <laughs> Turns out that she was like, I am with child. And he's like, hey, uh, you know what I'm saying? It ain't mine. And she's like, David, come on now. And so he, he puts together a plot. Ain't nothing new, people. Ain't nothing new. He, so he puts together a plot to get rid of Uriah. And he actually kills Uriah so she could be single again. Oh, my gosh. This is terrible. But again, I, it ain't mine. <laughs> you know, 
but again, he was just. Wait, you right. Y'all need to get together. We can we can fix this. Yeah, hold up. Yeah. So, but David got a man killed, so his wife could be mm-hmm. single and he could marry her and try to cover it up before she actually had the baby. And he went on moving like nothing was a big deal. Someone had to come to him and say, David, you are wrong. Mm-hmm. He had to hear it. Now, Bathsheba knew he was wrong too. She probably ain't say nothing. She like, hey, I ain't trying to die either right now. You know, so, but someone had to come in and say, David, you were wrong. And I'm gonna say this much. It wasn't until it was explained in a different way that David recognized he really did something wrong that even he knew he would maybe kill somebody over. Mm-hmm. And, what I, and what I'm getting at is Nathan, the prophet Nathan came to him, explained to things a certain way. And David's like, I would kill that dude if he did that. And he's like, the person's you. And he thought about it like, whoa, my penalty or the just thing for what I did would be for me to die. But then in the very next verse, Nathan's like, hey, you're not going to die. You know, but this is what's going to happen and you're going to have some trouble in your household. There was still a consequence. And the reason I'm bringing all that up is I don't think everybody gets what's going on with this violence against young black men or police brutality or whatever many things that happen uh, where race racism is incited. I think some people don't get it because it's not explained in a way in which they could understand, like, this could be you. Right. This could be you. Um, They didn't really get it and or understand it. But that being said, Brittany, I want to kick it to you. You said something in the pre-show as well. You mentioned something about, like, white guilt is something that has caused people of color to not speak up about certain things. And so what were some of the things you were thinking of when you said that or an example if you want to give it? Yeah, and there are, I kind of have two strings of thoughts. And first of all, I do just want to, I have some incredible people in my life personally uh, who are white and are willing to engage with topics like this in a very thoughtful way. Um, And I recognize that not all white people run away from um, conversations around race and injustice with race. Mm -hmm. I think one big part of it is the stuff that we see when black people are disproportionately affected by violence like this, disproportionately affected by all sorts of terrible things in our society, and it's well known, not a secret. Um, when we see things like that, it's so important for us as Christians to to take a stand. Um, and one thing that I've learned over time is that I, mean, I have a friend from Atlanta, um, a good friend who will frequently say, and I don't know who coined it, silence is violence that me saying, I, I, don't, I don't see color. Everybody else sees it. Um, it's totally a thing. It's scientifically proven. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. When two people go into a job interview, it's not neutral, okay? So as Christians, when we see something that's wrong in our society, we can't remain neutral. Now, white guilt, what's up with that? Well, sometimes I think, and this is especially for younger people because I have a feeling that like our grandparents weren't struggling with speaking out because society was a lot less connected across different ethnicities. And so it was me and my black congregation only. And of course we were speaking out me and my black university. I didn't have any other choice. And of course we were speaking out together, but right now we're all together in the same room, not necessarily speaking out and not necessarily speaking to one another. So 
I think it's important for us as people of color to be willing to bring up these difficult things in the same way that Nathan the prophet was willing to bring this up to David. I recognize that that was one person to one person. Well, our friendships are like that too. Normally we don't get to call up Congress, but we can write letters, hello. Um, but normally we don't we don't get to get, give a phone call and say, hey guys, I just wanted to submit my opinion to the, no. However, our individual conversations that we have with coworkers, with friends, sometimes with strangers, but especially with friends, these conversations that we have with each other, we should not be afraid to bring up to bring up injustices around race because it might be uncomfortable for somebody. Somebody else's, at the end of the day, that's a selfish position um, that I'm uncomfortable with making you uncomfortable. Let's not talk about it. Well, there's a bigger issue at play than my discomfort or your discomfort. The bigger issue at play is people's lives. Um, and it doesn't matter if, I mean, there are so many... I have a great capacity for frustration. So there are lots of things in our society that I'm frustrated about. This particular issue of violence against African-Americans and African-Americans being seen as more of a threat, more violent, which these things are totally unfounded. But I have, a, I have space in my heart for many frustrations. And so I wanna encourage our white brothers and sisters to be willing to go there that might mm -hmm. mean you have to do some work within yourselves and that's okay. But to be silent, to be afraid, to retreat, to hide, that doesn't help anybody. Because the reality is in American society, power, power belongs to it more, I mean, disproportionately power and influence belong to white people. And so if the white people are silent, then these things continue to be perpetuated. And I know that the people from, I know I've been talking for a long time, give me a second, but I know that the people from our past, the people that we would call grandparents, great grandparents, they were able to address these difficult things in society and exercise forgiveness. They were able to pursue justice through our civil system that we've created as a country. They fully took advantage of that process. They still managed to love people. They still managed to serve people. And so these things are not mutually exclusive. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, um, I just wanted to comment on something Brittany said about, I like the piece about silence is violence. Um, you know, um, Martin Luther King says something very similar. Uh, you know, um, he says that in the, end, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Um, and so um, I think it's important that our white brothers and sisters definitely stand up. Um, and I agree totally what, wholeheartedly with Brittany um, that our white brothers and sisters need to, you know, stand up and speak against, you know, the atrocities that's going on. And, you know, and it can start with, you know, it doesn't have to be something so formal. It can start with something as being something simple as inviting someone to somebody's house, you know, like, well, <laughs> Not right now, <laughs> but um, stay safe. But <laughs> definitely want you to stay safe. But you know, something as simple as having a conference call or just you know, just a simple phone call. You know, um, I believe it was in Show Baraka's album, um, uh, the narrative where there's this one part after his song "Excellent" or after after one song, 
you know, there's a guy who sounds Caucasian, you know, calling him, you know, to be able to see about the issues and want to know what show Baraka thinks about the issues. And, you know, I mean, that's literally all it takes. It just takes, you know, one simple step to be able to have a conversation with, you know, with, you know, our brothers and our, and our sisters who are, you know, who are colored or, you know, not just with black issues, but also with Asian issues and, you know, um, other issues that are going on around the world. You know, I mean, being able to, you know, speak out about those things would be able to help our relationship, you know, move to another level than being surface, you know, and, and unsure. So that's all. No, yeah. No, nah, thank y'all both, man. That's that's what's up. Like for sure. Uh, the thing that I was thinking is, and we normally do this on pretty much every episode. I don't know if people are catching the trend, but we want to bring it home and say, like, basically, what are some biblical, historical, or even experiential things from our own lives that might help rectify the thoughts of the culture? The, our culture may think one way, but what are some things that we've seen that either God has showed us or has played in our lives that we just know to be true? And the thing for me is, it was mentioned earlier, I want to touch upon this now, is uh, what comes to mind for me is Romans 5, specifically verses 6 to 11. There's a difference between forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. God, the reason why we get hype over what God did for us, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel, because when you believe in that, you're saved, and you're saved from the penalty. That's why that's where the term came from, right? Um, being cast out from God for all of eternity. You're saved from that. That's a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Um, but forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration, God did all of those things for us. That is why that's a big deal. Uh, us on earth, we definitely should forgive people. But reconciliation doesn't always happen in the sense that you might not ever come back together with someone. I gave an example of David the king killing Uriah he was forgiven but where's like the reconciliation uh, you killed him right um, it can still happen right in different ways in this case even with the mod the family could maybe be get some type of comfort but forgiveness reconciliation and then restoration bringing things back to how they were and sometimes even better than what they were God does that for us that's why it's amazing but how things play out in our lives, those three don't always happen together. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just bringing this up just to say that is why what God has done for us is like out of this world. And because we, we are aspiring to that, but it doesn't always play out as we would hope. Uh, Aaron, I know you mentioned something you may want to share about uh, Colossians. I'm going to put that on you. No, thanks, Nate. No, I think um, even this week, as I was saying before, um, some things I was wrestling with and literally the only scripture that came to mind was this one, Uh, especially when it talks about in verse uh, Colossians 3, 12, 13 through 14, basically says, since God chose you to be a holy people who loves you, you must clothe yourself with tender mercies, with tenderhearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Uh, so you see uh, some fruits of the spirit there. But it's t- before that, it's talking about taking off different things, anger, wrath. But now saying put on these things. But verse 13 is something that definitely hit home after I should put on these things. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgiving one another who offends you. Remembering the Lord 
who forgave you, so you must forgive others. And I think that um, hit home for me, not just because of what happened, but because I had to do this, I mean, prior to this. Um, I think one of the hardest things I've had to do, because I know we're talking about social injustice, what happened to Ahmad, but I think this is relevant when it comes to everyday relationships that we have, when it comes to wanting to forgiveness, reconciliation, and even wanting someone to recognize what they did. Um, I had one of my heroes of my life, and uh, I think he may be watching, um, is my dad. Uh, I love my dad to this day. Um, however, it was some things uh, previously in the past that uh, I just didn't agree with. And I had a lot of bitterness, um, anger, frustration. Uh, you can say all those different things. I'll never forget one of the uh, most um, most grateful, I guess the most thankful day you should be would be Thanksgiving. Um, and unfortunately, my family Right. I mean, talking about probably like six, seven people, my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my sister were literally there and couldn't say a word to each other. Um, I hate that we couldn't have that, but it was so tense. We couldn't be able to verbalize what what was going on. And I think it was we, we just I, I guess we just grew up in that sense of family where, you know, what happened here stays in here and we couldn't be able to verbalize the pain that maybe we have feel. Um, so that was my freshman year in college. Come to sophomore year, heard the song growing in my faith. And I just realized like on campus, like, man, God has forgiven me so much. Mm-hmm. Like I have to forgive my father. Mm-hmm. I have to forgive my father. Like, if God doesn't hold what I do against him, like against me, like I can't forgive my father. And so because of that, I'll never forget going home for Christmas break, me and him coming home from a game and literally we're walking in the kitchen. My heart's pounding because I know I need to tell him. I know I need to talk to him. And I tell him, I said, hey, dad, um, there are some things that I just disagree with and like, but I want to tell you, I still forgive you. I still love you. And even in that, the, the most grateful thing I was that he recognized and he was okay with that. He was saying, man, I'm sorry. But I think I'm more grateful on the other side because he was like my heavenly father, literally chasing after me afterwards, wanting to grow with me in a relationship wanting to continue to love me more and more and even make up some things that he had fallen short with beforehand. And so like, yeah, like I love my dad. There were some things that in the past that was just tough, but I know it was definitely a work of the Holy Spirit to help me to forgive my father. So. Woo. <laughs> I was like, Nathan, don't cry. Nah, but um, th- <laughs> no, nah, Aaron, thank you. Uh, you brought up a very interesting point. You know, of course, I've dealt with unforgiveness as well. But for me, like, I guess I'll say it like this, holding on unforgiveness literally was almost like I had to remind myself why I was mad. Mm-hmm. I had to always say, I, oh, yeah, remember, don't call this person because you're mad. Remember, this person's calling. Don't pick up. Remember, remember, because you're mad. Don't don't pick up. Um I had to like always remind myself to stay upset. If I go out somewhere, oh, if I run into this, uh, am I going to run into this person? I don't know. Okay, when you run into them, remember to be upset. And to be honest, for me, it was more tiring, fatigue, 
and draining to hold on to unforgiveness rather than just be like, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to mention that. So um, even in your story, uh, I think that was great that you finally sat down and even explained to your father, because a lot of us, when we want things or in a sense, we demand an apology. But again, a lot of times we don't even explain what is making us so upset. And the worst case scenario is we get mad and then forget why we were even mad. It's just something that we do. And that happens far too often. So, um, no, thanks for that story. Cause I've also had to, I had family that I had to forgive as well. And honestly, it was just easier to forgive than to hold on to it. Excellent. Um, but yeah, that being said, Brittany, Joaquin, I don't know if you have any uh, thing to share before we just transition to resources. Yeah, real quick. This hit me in a, in a, the cool thing about doing this podcast is that the topic gets to impact you while you're preparing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and a couple days ago, I was reading, I've been reading the Romans because I really need it. And I came across this verse and I thought to myself, wow, what does this mean for forgiving other people who wronged me? Um, and so this came from Romans 4, 5, and it was really the part where it talks about now to the one who works, and this is about salvation is by grace, not works. So now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, this is the part. To the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. And so this phrase justifies the ungodly. Another version put it, calls the guilty innocent. That messed me up. Because in my relationship with God, he has called the guilty, me, innocent. And the reason that he can call me innocent is because he called his innocent son guilty on my behalf. And so I don't have a right to hold somebody else's guilt against them. It doesn't say God pretends like that guilty person is innocent. No. He is the one who has justified me as an ungodly person, as though I were righteous, as though I were godly, because somebody else, his son, was righteous and godly on my behalf and died for my sins and was raised. And so the reason that that impacted me is because I just felt so much more, so much, so much less of any kind of ability or right to hang on, to hang on unforgiveness. Now I will say pursuing justice is different. It's different. And it's our call as Christians to do more. Yeah, um, my, um, my whole deal, like I said earlier, thank you, Brittany, for that, because uh, I definitely agree when, when preparing for this throughout the week, you know, it definitely changes some of the, some of your own, some of your own perspective. So like, you know, before, like last couple of weeks ago now, we had a conversation. I literally thought that, like I said before, forgiveness and reconciliation went together, but, you know, after, you know, you know, hashing it out with Brittany, 
Um, and, um, you know, talking to, uh, you know, Aaron and Nathan and also Pastor Blake, uh, I've come to the realization that, man, maybe I maybe I was a bit off and maybe I actually struggled a bit with forgiveness. So, man, um, one of the things that Pastor Blake just dropped on me, and I believe that it was nothing short of the Holy Spirit, was Romans 12, verse 18, where it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you be at peace with all men. And so, man, um, I thought about that. And, you know, I think there is a theological side of things where, you know, um, forgiveness and reconciliation do go together. However, you know, when it comes to the practical side of things, you know, in life, those things may not necessarily happen. So um, here's a great example for that. For that example is, is that even in my own life, me and my father, you know, didn't see eye to eye. Some things happened in the past. I won't share. Um, but some things happened in the past between, you know, my, you know, me, my father and my family. And, you know, I was I was upset at my dad for years, you know, uh, for a long time. You know, he would even, you know, talk about stuff, you know, to make me kind of even like, you know, scared. But I know that he couldn't do anything, you know, um, but. It was one day I was in college. I sung in the gospel choir at, um, at my college in Savannah State University. Um, and so one day, um, you know, I got a phone call from my uh, from my girlfriend at the time, um, you know, and she was like, man, you should call your mom. I was like, for what? You know, I'm going to go in the choir rehearsal. What's going on? You should call your mom. And I was like, all right, cool. So, man, um, eventually I found out that my dad had a kidney failure. And, you know, like I, I was already messed up with him, you know, and everything. And they said that, you know, he fell out in the hallway, had a kidney failure and everything. And that same day, I really believe that God spoke and says, Joaquin, you know, if you don't get it together right now, you're not going to have no more time. And so that was in, so at that particular moment, that's when I re, that's when I recognized is like, OK, I can't be bitter or resent my dad for, for the things that he, that he has done. At that particular moment, I have to be able to forgive my dad, you know, to make sure that, you know, um, I'm not holding anything so that I'm not bringing anything from my dad's relationship into my future relationships with anybody else. So, man, eventually, um, you know, me and my dad, you know, um, I talked with him, you No, know, he's better now. He's not, he's not, you know, he, he hasn't died. But, you know, yeah. I just felt, you know, I just felt at that moment that, you know, that my dad didn't die. But, you know, that was the moment that I let go of all the bitterness and resentment that I had toward him for doing anything. And now we're cool. You know, we've even had like a you know conversation about it. And, um, you know, now we're reconciled and we're cool and I love him to death. You know, so I think, um, you know, um, there are also there's a practical side of things also where you might actually forgive somebody, but the other person may not you know be willing to reconcile. And that's and that's understandable. That's OK. You know, but now that thing that you were worried about and that you were kind of struggling with no longer has a hold on you, um, you know, because now you're able to move on. And, you know, and God has blessed you to be able to do that, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, man, um. So yeah, so I got tons of tons of forgiveness stories. 
Um, but I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I would just say to those who are kind of struggling with the idea of forgiveness is that, man, Mandia said this. This is Tyler Perry. Mandia, that's what I'm talking about. Man, um, Madea said something, man, in a show because you know Tyler Perry used to do these, um, you know, live, you know, live shows or whatever. And man, in one of his live shows, man, he says, man, you, you know, you basically need to forgive this person. He was Madea was saying, you need to forgive him. Yeah. And um, and so uh, and, you know, and then he made a statement. Tyler Perry's character Madea made a statement and said, forgiveness is not necessarily for the other person, but it's really for you. You know, so that you'll be able to not be bitter and not, you know, hold all that stuff in that you're trying to hold into somebody that's you know, that has done you wrong or somebody that has done somebody else wrong. You know, like you won't be holding all of that stuff in, you know, so that you won't be just bogged down with bitterness and resentment. Trust me, I understand how it feels and I know how it feels from other situations that have happened in my life. So, man, um, you know getting out of that whole bitterness and resentment deal and just forgiving someone is more freeing. And I believe that's what Jesus understood at the cross. Ooh. I believe that I, li- I, li- I literally believe that's what Jesus believed at the cross when he said, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I believe that man, you know, out of all, cause the Bible says that he carried our sins, you know, um, on the cross with him. You know, so he knew that all the stuff that what we were going to do before we even did it. But yet God said, you know what, you know, because of what I'm doing for you and because of all the stuff that's actually um, happening right now to me, I'm going to blot out. I'm going to blot out your sin based on um, based on what he's doing. And now because I have recognized that I'm sinful, I have now reconciled with the king and therefore now have salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, so man, um, I would say, man, forgiveness works the exact, I believe forgiveness now works the exact same way, you know? So, yeah. Oh man. Whew. I'm like, bring, bring it home. <laughs> uh, no, nah, man. Thank you all for sharing. Uh, and again, a lot of what we said, like I mentioned, we weren't focusing specifically on the, all the details of the case because more information can come out and it can go in a completely different direction than we all thought. So we didn't want to focus on that, but the thing and to remember is, justice and forgiveness um regardless i'll say it like this uh forgiveness as joaquin just mentioned is for you justice is to be executed and or you know put on the person who committed the crime however god is going to facilitate that here Mm -hmm. on earth many judges will miss will mess up God's not going to miss or mess up. I'm not saying wait forever because like mm-hmm. what we said, if you see justice, you need to call it out. And there's a question and we're even going to get to the question after this. But if there's injustice, you need to call it out because you have the right to call it out. You have the right to call out evil. You're the, especially as a believer, you know what evil looks like. <laughs> Other people it's not evil. It's normal. You know? So that being said, justice and forgiveness Think about what bitterness might be doing to you, because I guess I'll say it like this. If anybody's listening and you think we're just saying, oh, just forgive them for what happened. I'll rephrase it a different way. Racism. Is honestly somebody else's bitterness passed down. You have people who are 
raised to be racist and don't even know why they are racist because that's someone else's bitterness that was like passed down six generations and they're like oh someone's of a different ethnic background fear them a little bit of xenophobia whatever fear them fear them Mm. for what you don't even Mm. know so that's why we're talking about forgiveness in the way that we've been talking about it but that being said we do want to give you some resources that you can take to you know, listen to, to read, to really just work on yourself. And the resource that I have is a book called Overcoming Emotions That Destroy by Chip Ingram. This is a very good book because it talks about how to deal with anger. Everybody has anger. Anger is not necessarily a bad thing, but the word of God is going to say, you know, be angry, be angry and do not sin. Right. So that's the that's fine. You can be angry, but there's not supposed to be any sin, right? That would be what Ephesians 4. So read that book, Overcoming Emotions That Destroy, because it talks about there's different people who process anger differently. Some people yell, and they want something now. Some people don't say anything, and it comes out different ways. Some mm-hmm. people suppress it, and then they take little jabs with their anger here and there. That's where kind of like sarcasm comes from, Right. But yeah, overcoming emotions that destroy by Chip Ingram. Um, I have a couple. Um, so number one, um, I didn't write this down. Sorry, Nate, but I did. I forgot about this. I had this in here. Woke Church um, by um, by um, Pastor Eric Mason of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia. Man, um, throughout his book, he basically goes through like this four step process. I, I would say. Um, going um, basically be aware, be willing to acknowledge, be accountable, and be active. So, man, um, I think this is a very good resource that you know will be able to help out, you know, those who are willing to reconcile and willing to know more about the issues. And I believe this resource will be able to help you navigate to, the, to those issues also. Um, another one is Oneness Embrace by Dr. Tony Evans. Um, he also talks about reconciliation um, and those things uh, when it comes to just, you know, one race versus just, you know, uh, you know, different, you know, different types of races and all those. So this was this was really good. Another one that I man that I would have to definitely recommend. I'm, I'm telling you, like this book really surprised the mess out of me. It's called White Picket Fences by Amy Julia Becker. Man, um, Amy Julia Becker is a, uh, she's white, and man, she wrote a phenomenal book um, on on talking about white privilege. And I am, based on what Brittany was talking about earlier, and um, what I kind of commented on earlier as well, about literally sitting down and having the conversation and like not be afraid to talk. She goes into this thing and talks about and has those conversations um, you know, because, you know, she has like a Down syndrome daughter and things of that, who uh, daughter who has Down syndrome and then talks about it from a different perspective and a different lens. And I think that, you know, a lot of my white counterparts and my white brothers and sisters should definitely take a look at this book and be able to recognize some of the privileges that you may not necessarily be aware of. And she talks about those things in here. Yeah. And in the same vein as, um, I really want to read that white picket fences. Joaquin. It's good. It's so good. It's really good. I actually have one Miss Embrace and I haven't read it. It's a shame. So 
one in the same vein as anger, a book that I really appreciated about anger is um, by Gary Chapman. I'm listening on Hoopla, free books from the public library, audiobooks, ebooks. Uh, so it's called Anger. Um, and the subtitle is Handling a Powerful Emotion in a Healthy Way. So I think a lot of times when we see stuff like this, it's hard to know what to do with the anger, but this book really helped me to separate my legitimate anger from my so-called like kind of illegitimate anger when I'm hurt, but no one's done a wrong compared to when I'm angry and there's been a wrong done and how to move forward. Um, another book um, is talking about emotions in general. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because this particular book discusses kind of these core emotions and then the gifts of every emotion uh the, the gifts and the drawbacks of all the emotions and it's called the voice of the heart and mm -hmm. it's by chip dodd um and that one i know at, at the church i went to uh, about a year or two ago i think most of the congregation had read it and were implementing um discussions about the emotions and where they were if they were kind of moving in a healthy direction with that motion emotion or in an unhealthy direction with that emotion Word, thanks. Any other resources? Man, um, one last one. I'm, I'm, I always like to give a Bible story resources. Man, um, I would definitely take a look at uh, Genesis. I'm sorry, y'all, like the story of Joseph. Um, I believe it kind of starts in Genesis. Um, I want to say it starts in Genesis 37. Uh, yep, Genesis 37 all the way throughout maybe Genesis uh probably genesis 41 42 yep 37 through 42 man i'll probably take a look at that um, as far as um biblical resources and looking at you know what has happened to joseph all the way through when he became second only to pharaoh and then i think that's a really good story of forgiveness also and of course jesus i mean being on the cross so and i would say if, if you have resources that we haven't mentioned about any of the topics that we discussed. Um, I would like to know what those resources are. Maybe you've encountered some, some literature that talks about justice, that talks about how the church um, can respond to these things. I'd like to know what those are. So let us know. No, nah, for sure. And what, based on what you said, Joaquin, I'm actually going to put in the resources uh, the series from Crossover called When God is For You. Ah, uh, yeah. Because yeah. that that covers pretty much the story of uh, what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll go ahead and link to that. Well, y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all for listening. Um, we're you know we're gonna close out the podcast, but again, we still got the after party because this is a live podcast. So if you're listening on our podcast app or wherever on iTunes, uh, definitely feel free to read the show notes. Look at those resources. Uh, give us a review. We'd love to hear from you what you think about the show. Not only that, but you can follow us on social media. We have different places set up, more specifically on Instagram. Truth underscore CBF is where you can find us. Let us know. And yeah, we definitely want to hear from you all. Uh, like I said, whether it be you leaving a review or reaching out to us directly, you can actually email us as well. Truth at crossoverbf.com and we get those emails and we look over all of them 
even if it's a prayer request, that's cool too. Uh, we look over those mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, y'all, I'm gonna drop that beat and then we'll get into some of these uh, after party questions and we'll go from there. But yeah, thank y'all and we'll catch y'all next time.